Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 325 of this Daily Scripture Study Podcast. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our study of the Come Follow Me materials covering November the 16th to November the 22nd, Ether 6 to 11, that evil may be done away. Uh, today we're going to continue with our study of the, um, the right, how righteous leaders bless the people they lead in Ether chapter 7 to 11. Um, the cycle continues, but I do also want to address um, what we began looking at yesterday in Ether 8, 7 to 26 about what is a secret combination. We talk about these secret combinations. We mentioned them yesterday, how um, it was at this point that Moroni interjected and spoke a little about secret combinations. Um, in verse 25, he continues his words on secret combinations by saying, For it came to pa- it cometh to pass that whoso buildeth, buildeth it up seeketh to overthrow the freedom of all lands, nations, and countries, and it bringeth to pass the destruction of all people. For it is built up by the devil, who is the father of all lies, even that same liar who beguiled our first parents, yea, even that same liar who have caused man to commit murder from the beginning, who have hardened the hearts of men, that they have murdered the prophets and stoned them and cast them out from the beginning. So we know that they are instigated by the devil. My question is, you know, what what is a secret combination? We know that it involves secret dealings or secret deals or agreements. Well, I think it's um, defined really well in the Come Follow Me manual. It says, when two or more people conspire to keep wicked acts secret, they are involved in a secret combination. Um, they are often motivated by the desire for power or riches. So I think that, you know, I think that really summarizes it really well. I mean, sometimes we think that, you know, there is a lot of um, dark secrets involved in it. But really, it begins with two or more people entering into a secret act or a secret agreement that they're going to do something wicked and keep that secret and do it for power or riches. Um which, you know, suggests that it can be very easy for us in the world today to to get into one, um, which is very scary. Um, of course, these secret combinations, you know, are what led to the destruction of the people of the Nephites. And as we'll find out, and as Moroni stated, the destruction of the people of the Jaredites. Um, as we move forward into the record that Moroni continues to expound on, um, we see Ether 9.3. So just to a reminder of where we left the narrative of this, uh, Jared had a son, or is it Jared had a father? <laughs> it's hard to remember sometimes. I think, yeah, um, Jared had a son called Omer who was righteous and took the kingdom from Jared because he had taken it wickedly from another relative, from what I remember. Uh, but Jared is disappointed by this. Was even his nephew. Do you know what? <laughs> Basically, they're both relatives, and Jared is upset that the king has been taken by his relative. Um, he gets a Akish uh, to kill his father so that he can take the throne. But um, in Ether nine three, we read that Omer, in a dream, is um, helped by the Lord to escape him. The Lord warns him about it, and Omer departs out of the land with his family and travels many days and comes to the hill of Shim. Um, where the Nephites were destroyed, and then eastward to a place called Ablon, um, and he's hidden there. Jared takes the right, takes the place of king, but then it doesn't take long for power to become to make others greedy. Akish seeks the life of his father-in-law, who is Jared, um, 
and then he kills his his father-in-law. Then Akish reigns in his stead and he becomes jealous of his son and so puts him into prison and and he, he dies basically because he's kept in captivity with very, very little food. Um, so then Nimra, who is the brother of the son that dies, is angry uh, and he gathers together some of the other sons and, well, no, Nimra gathers together some people, goes over to live with Homer. Akish has other children, um, but then they decide that they want to um, have the kingdom instead of Akish. And basically there's this this big destructive war. And in verse 12, and it, there began to be a war between the sons of Akish and Akish, which lasted for the space of many years, yea, unto the destruction of nearly all the people of the kingdom. Yea, even all, save it were the third, save were 30 souls, and they who fled with the house of Omer. So what we see here is like a mini destruction, a mini, um, you know, destruction of the people. Uh, of those that had gone into these secret combinations. What we get here is a, a, a microcosm, I guess, or just a little version of what will happen to the Jaredites if they continue along this path. Um, because there are only 30 left, uh, and those that had fled with Omar. Omer. Um, so Omer was then restored as king, and then he had Ema, Omer then Ema, uh, and he was the king, and then they see peace. Um the Lord began to take the curse from the land. There's a, there was a wonderful time. Um, and in the space of 62 years, they became strong and rich and had all sorts of manner and fruit, manner of fruits. And then they talk about the cattle. And then we get these uh, these curious uh, animals cured, called kyolums and kumums. Um, Hugh Nibley explained, quote, these animals were unknown to the Nephites. And so Moroni leaves the words untranslated or else... Though known to the Nephites, they are out of our experience, so that our language has no name to call them by. They were simply breeds of those many of the kinds of animals which were useful for the food of man. Close quote. There is some discussion about what the Kurlons and Kumoms may be, um, but it suffices us to say that they were an animal which either the Nephites were not aware of or had a translation for, or um, an animal which Joseph Smith at the time was unaware of and didn't know um, the translation of. So um, we continue on uh, and we see this great righteousness, despite all the great wickedness that had taken place before, uh, there's great righteousness to the point that in, in verse 22, when um, Ema's son, Coriantum, um, is anointed as king, it says, And after he had anointed Coriantum to reign in his stead, he lived four years and he saw peace in the land, yea, and he even saw the son of righteousness and did rejoice in glory in his day and he died in peace. So Ema gets to see the Lord, um, the son of righteousness. Um, and it's interesting that that is mentioned, you know, in amongst all the other things that's, just, that's mentioned in these generations and generations that are fast forwarded through these chapters. Um, it's uh, Moroni makes sure to mention that Ema um, was blessed to see the Lord. Uh, and I suppose he does this because... You know, there's been this great wickedness, many secret combinations, many horrendous acts done with this within this people, such great wickedness. But despite that, there is also promise and chance for righteousness to, to grow. Uh, Frank F. Judd said this, quote, The experiences of Ema are some of the most promising moments in these chapters of rampant wickedness among the Jaredites. As a very righteous leader of his people, Ema was privileged to have the veil parted and see the Lord himself. Moroni may have desired to show us through Ema that not only righteousness but perfect faith is possible in a world sandwiched in on all sides by wickedness. 
close quote. The fact that this righteousness is possible despite all this wickedness is surely something which we should take hope in today. Uh, as we continue on, though, uh, we see that um, Coriantum has a son called Com, um, and he reigns 49 years, and he has Heth. Um, and then Heth de desires to have the kingdom, and he begins to embrace the uh, the secret plans of old again. Um, and so, again, it doesn't last for very long, and then they become then come prophets, um, and Heth is the king now, and they're calling the people to repent. But if you remember yesterday, there was a time when prophets came to teach the people, they didn't listen, but the king commanded them to not hurt them, and this led to um, a lot of change in the land. Well, Heth, unfortunately, is not that kind of king. Um, in fact, it says in verse 29, the people believed not the words of the prophets, but they cast them out, and some of them they cast into pits and left them to perish. And it came to pass they did all these things according to the commandments of the king Heth. So not only did Heth not protect the prophets, Heth commanded them to destroy the prophets, to cast them out, to cast them into pits. Um, and this is when we start to see great uh, afflictions amongst the people. And tomorrow we'll start talking about what some of those afflictions were, including famines, serpents and all sorts. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please do continue um, following the podcast by subscribing. You can also join the Facebook group Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Gmail. Church Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And you can also email us at ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you'd like to join in a future podcast episode yourselves. Thank you for listening and until we meet again.